Today is March 3rd, 2021. Dr. Seuss gets canceled. The Biden administration places sanctions on Russia over an assassination attempt of one of Putin's rivals. And Andrew Cuomo is accused of sexual harassment by a third woman. Welcome back, Split the Difference friends and Split the Difference family. We got another fantastic episode for you here today, bright and early on this Wednesday morning, bringing you all the best news and insights from both the left and the right side of the aisle. We have been working diligently to bring you, yes, y'all guessed it, the best podcast that we have done thus far. Hear me when I say, hear ye, hear ye, this is the best podcast that we've done because you guys, we're splitting the difference. We're finding that sweet, sweet truth that lies right there in the middle from all the craziness on both sides of the aisle as we always do. So without further ado, let's hop on into our first story of the day, story number one. So our first story of the day, Dr. Seuss gets canceled somewhat. So Normally, I don't really wade into a lot of these cultural war things because honestly, I just don't think it's not as nearly as important as a lot of other issues. And that's not to say that it is not important because a lot of these things that need to be talked about and they are, of course, important. However, I just think that a lot of the culture war stuff oftentimes tends to be very, very clickbaity and uh, for the most part doesn't really accomplish a whole lot of anything outside of people just, you know, canceling people and screaming and yelling and the other side screaming and yelling and nobody's really happy. But this story really piqued my interest because it's really kind of taking a step in a little bit of a weird direction. So let's hop in real quick and listen to uh, just the baseline of the story. This is being reported on Fox News. Well, cancel culture is now going after one of America's favorite children's books, schools in Virginia's Loudoun County, removing Dr. Seuss books from its annual Read Across America event, citing, quote, strong racial undertones. However, Dr. Seuss books will still be available in libraries and classrooms in the district. Joining us now, Patrice Onwuka, Center for Economic Opportunity, director at the Independent Women's Forum. Patrice, always great to see you. Okay. So that's a whole bunch of people talking about how important this is. So six books are officially being removed uh, from publishing because of racist undertones and insensitive imagery. These include McElligot's Pool, uh, On Beyond Zebra, Scrambled Eggs Super, and The Cat's Quizzer, and To Think That I Saw It on Mulberry Street, and lastly, If I Ran the Zoo. All of these decisions were made by Dr. Seuss Enterprises, who runs all of the production and sales of the books post Dr. Seuss's death, which came... Um, I believe in the 90s, uh, these books portray people, they were quoted as saying, these people, these books portray people in ways that are hurtful and wrong. Ceasing sales of these books is only part of our commitment and our broader plan to ensure Dr. Seuss Enterprises catalog represents and supports all communities and families. So it apparently has been under discussion for months and months as to whether or not to cancel the publication of these books. And Dr. Seuss Enterprises has eventually decided to discontinue the publishing of these books after a large amount of other school districts within the country decided that they were no longer going to provide these books for their children to actually read. So the Dr. Seuss children's books are still obviously widely popular. He was the number two actually highest paid dead celebrity in 2020, according to Forbes, only behind Michael Jackson. So his books have been translated into dozens of languages, 
as well as in Braille and are sold in over 100 countries. Um, yeah, he, he did. He died in 1991. I see that here in my notes now. So I've searched and searched for images uh, in his books all over the interwebs for things that would have been, you know, construed as or seen as uh, racist within his books. But it's actually kind of hard to find pictures of anything in the books. This may be because of copyright infringement. I wanted to be able to put it on the podcast if I could. So that way you guys could actually see the images that are being debated and that are being talked about that a lot of people are very upset about. However, I will say he did write and draw a whole bunch of super racist political cartoons. I believe that most of this was done during World War II, um, where he was, I think, maybe kind of going back and forth and kind of getting maybe his voice out a little bit about what was going on at the time. So it's pretty easy to find a lot of Dr. Seuss's political cartoons, not as easy to find pictures on the internet of what's actually in the books. Um, So... What did the left and the right have to say about this? So first, this, the far left is, is super happy about this. It really does kind of seem like um, it's getting to the point where anytime somebody or something gets canceled, the left seems to be kind of happy about it, um, regardless of, quote, how racist something is or isn't. Racism, in a lot of ways, the most is the most taboo thing uh, in our culture right now. To be called racist or accused of racism is like, the number one cardinal sin in our country. And that's mainly because racism is absolutely abhorrent, right? We should probably call it out in any and all chances that we get. However, it does appear just, you know, being completely objective that oftentimes racism is somewhat used as a club for far left ideology to be put on top of something else. And I think that gets into a little bit more of what the right is saying. So the right all of a sudden are just gigantic fans of Dr. Seuss. Who would have known that the entirety of the conservative movement, their favorite author was Dr. Seuss? All of these people that could not have given two flippity floppities about Dr. Seuss 10 minutes ago, all of a sudden are just the biggest fans of him, right? I mean, Dr. Seuss is the, he literally is the reason why children have ever read starting in the early 1900s and coming all the way up till now. They are just heartbroken at the removal of these books from libraries and from their publishing. The world just will cease to turn without these six books especially since Dr. Seuss preached throughout the entirety of his life, especially when much as later life, when much of his books were written, the importance of environmentalism and tolerance, right? Both things, of course, that were just core tenets of the Republican doctrine at the day of the day, right? That's why they love Dr. Seuss so much his love for the environment. So, um, I will say though, it is very, very quickly how the tide, interesting how the tides uh, of things kind of turn, right? So um, every year, the president traditionally does a proclamation starting the, quote, Read Across America Day. Many of you may remember that uh, if, you were, if you're younger um, from elementary school or middle school or high school. Uh, it was started in the 90s. Uh, and it was started by the Dr. Seuss Foundation, the enterprises there. It's actually held on March 2nd every single year to coincide with Dr. Seuss's birthday. And um, Obama actually said in his 2015 proclamation, quote, the works of Theodore Seuss Geisel, better known as Dr. Seuss, have sparked a love for reading in generations of students. His whimsically, his whimsical wordplay and curious characters inspire children to dream big and remind our readers of all ages that a person's a person, no matter how small. In 2016, he said, uh, as one of America's, uh, Dr. Seuss was one of America's revered wordsmiths who used his incredible talent to instill in his most impressionable readers universal values that we all hold dear. 
Now, though, in like literally just those short four to five years, there's been a gigantic turn away from Dr. Seuss and a lot of the books that he has because of apparent racial undertones. So I personally have not actually seen the pictures. I can't verify whether or not there were racial undertones. If these books were written during the 1940s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, my guess is they probably had some racist undertones. Just would be my guess. I don't know. But I always am a little bit weary of when things get canceled, especially in literature. Okay. I think it's incredibly important to allow people to be able to read through and understand, uh, everything that has, that has gone on in the past, especially through books, right? I mean, there are a lot of mistakes that we living in this current day and age need to learn from. And by removing those books, by removing literature, from classrooms that children have the opportunity to be able to read disallows teachers and parents to be able to have conversations with those kids about how and why we do things differently than they did then. Okay. If they are a child is reading a book and as a caricature of a black person that is, you know, incredibly racist, you have the opportunity then to communicate to your child. This is racist. And here are the reasons why, right? At this point in time, it was socially acceptable to draw black people looking certain ways that are completely unlike what they look like in real life as a means by which to degrade their personhood. The reason why we do not do this now is because it's wrong. And here's a conversation around what racism actually looks like in the world that you live in, right? Unfortunately, that's a lot of conversations that black families have with their children all the time. Not a lot of conversations are had like that in white households, okay? Just... It's just kind of how it is. And I think it would be very, very beneficial for children to be able to see and recognize that even from a young age, being able to see them even in children's books as well. So um, I also could be wrong about this, right? There could be a reason why they chose not to just change the pictures, but it doesn't seem like the qualm that Dr. Seuss Enterprises had was with the content itself. It seemed like the qualm was with the pictures, displaying or maybe having negative or racist connotations. My question is, why can't you just change the pictures? It seems like a simple enough solution, so simple that there obviously could be a reason why they decided not to do that. Maybe it was a copyright or trademark infringement that they wouldn't be able to work past. Um, it's, But it seems like that would be a very simple fix here. I may absolutely be missing something, but... Personally, I do not like the banning of books or literature or the refusal to publish books or literature because there are negative things within those said books and literature. Now, granted, that is my opinion. At the end of the day, uh, six Dr. Seuss books not being published uh, because the publishing company that actually sends them out chooses not to print them totally on their own. That is their prerogative. That is their decision to be made. Um, However, the calls for banning things because they have racist things or because they have negative things associated with in the past, I'm normally not a big fan of, all right? If it's a monument, if it's a flag, that's okay. Put it in a museum, nothing wrong with that, okay? Books, though, in a lot of ways, that's one of the first things that a lot of fascist and terrible regimes do is they like to burn a lot of books. There's a reason why all of that normally coincides. So with all of that having been said, that is the end of our first story of the day. Let's go ahead and hop on in to our second story, story number two. 
So for our second story of the day, Biden coordinates efforts between the United States and the European Union to place sanctions on Russia over the poisoning of Alexei Navalny. He was a political opponent of Putin. The sanctions include new sanctions targeting seven senior Kremlin officials, also include export controls over 14 parties. Uh, that were all associated with or believed to have been involved in the production of the chemical and biological agents agents used to poison Alexei Navalny. That was how uh, they tried to assassinate him. And then there are also sanctions announced on the FSB and GRU, which are both uh, Russian military intelligence agencies. So they would be like our, I guess, comparable FBI or CIA. So uh, I think important to understand what all is going on here. Uh, who is Alexei Navalny? So Alexei Navalny is a Russian opposition leader, lawyer, and anti-corruption activist. He came in a lot of ways into international providence by organizing anti-Russian government demonstrations and running for office to advocate reforms against corruption in Russia. So he actually ran for office against Putin. Okay. Um, all of the protests were against Vladimir Putin, President Vladimir Putin specifically, and the government that he has created because of the incredible amount of corruption that is present within the current Russian government. So Navalny was also a Russian opposition coordination council member. He is the leader of the Russia of the Future Party and the founder of the Anti-Corruption Foundation. So obviously Navalny's biggest shtick is he doesn't like corruption and he wants it to be gone within the government of Russia. So Navalny amassed over 6 million YouTube subscribers and more than 2 million followers on Twitter. And he basically has been leading the charge against corruption and especially Putin within the Russian government. And as a result... Vladimir Putin absolutely hates him. Uh, Putin has been basically getting rid of his political opponents for years now, and the presidency, quote-unquote, and I use that term very loosely in Russia, is an absolute joke. Putin is in power. He's going to remain in power for a long period of time until he either dies or decides to give it up, which he likely will not do. So for a little bit of reporting on this, let's go ahead and hop over and listen to MSNBC doing some reporting on this a day or so ago. Welcome back. In just the past few minutes, NBC News has confirmed that coordinated sanctions against Russia from the United States and the EU are expected to come this week in response to the poisoning of opposition leader Alexei Navalny. This will be the Biden administration's first sanctions against Russia and the U.S.'s first action in response to the poisoning after the Trump administration simply declined to take action back in August. In terms of positioning of the U.S. towards Russia, Russia continues to be looked at as a subject for U.S. policy. Uh, this policy is deeply rooted in um, bipartisan conclusion that Russia is a kind of a bad guy in the classroom and uh, Russia should be subsequently ordered to follow what the U.S. Uh, believes is right or wrong. Uh, this would never happen. Okay, so uh, this coordinated effort to sanction Russia shows a very, very strong and early stance by the Biden administration against Russia as a world power. And this is absolutely pointed. Biden knew coming into office that he wanted to take a strong stance against Russia, and he is doing that very early on. Trump did not choose to sanction or go after Russia after the Navalny poisoning happening happened, and it was apparent that Navalny was poisoned by Putin, by Putin, right? It was obvious that that was what happened. I mean, we knew pretty much what went down last August, okay? And Donald Trump decided that he didn't want to do it. He basically just kind of tried to shift the blame a little bit away from Putin and be like, you know what? 
I don't know. We don't really know what happened, so we can't decide. So Biden comes in. He does his own investigation within his administration and basically called it like it was. And he was like, yeah, no, Putin for sure, without a reasonable doubt, poisoned Alexei Navalny. And he did that because Navalny is a political opponent that is calling out Putin's corruption within Russia. He was having a growing movement. We all know the Russian government is corrupt. As a result, we're going to do something about it. So how much how much this will do is likely pretty little, okay? In a lot of ways, it's a little bit more of a formality. Yes, it, it will hurt some of the businesses maybe that could have participated in the creation of the agents that were used in the poisoning, but at the end of the day, it's not like it's going to severely hurt the Russian economy in any way or it's going to severely hurt the Russian government. If anything, they are, as usual, going to continue to use this as fodder against the United States when they are communicating with their own citizens. Uh, Biden also demanded that Navalny be released. There's no way Putin will actually release him. Basically, what happened is Navalny was poisoned. He was incredibly sick. He left the country to be able to go and get treatment so that he could actually get back on his feet, literally, because it was a neurological poison, a biochemical agent that was used to poison him with the purpose of shutting down the entirety of his neurosystem, um, which is would be incredibly painful and also absolutely horrible. So Navalny then chooses to go back to Russia because he still wants to be able to tell and help the Russian people with getting removing corruption from the government, namely, you know, Vladimir Putin. Putin then has him arrested and he is now subsequently thrown in jail. So Biden asks that they release him. There's no way Putin will do it uh, because this is what happens when you live in a country or you are going to a country where it is run by essentially a dictatorship under the facade of a democracy that the president or the person in power does whatever they want to do and free speech is stifled and hindered completely, okay? There, is, uh, there are a lot of things in Russia that you just can't do and it's because you are living underneath a regime. Russia very, very pointedly works actively to remove opponents of Vladimir Putin, and that is because Vladimir Putin wants to stay in power, okay? Um, this is why I will forever, for as long as I'm here still kicking on this earth and not having to pay the barrel expense, all right, I'm going to continue to promote and actively try to promulgate free speech. I'm actively going to work to be able to have a wide variety of differing opinions on my show, even if I actively disagree with those opinions, and even if most of my listeners actively disagree with those opinions, because I think it is of the utmost importance to be able to have free speech, have ideas that are not your own, that you may not agree with all the time, spoken into the marketplace of ideas and for the marketplace of ideas to then shun those ideas and decide whether or not they should continue to be promulgated, right? That is the purpose of free speech. That's the purpose of being able to write whatever books that you want to write, to read whatever books you want to read, to be able to say what it is that you want to say, because those things allow for poor ideas to be actively condemned, okay? If Navalny is in Russia and he's, he is openly allowed to speak out and point out and talk about the corruption that is present within the Russian government, Putin realizes how detrimental that that will be to his presidency and future campaigns. Of course he does. The last thing that people want to see in their government is a ton of corruption because it 
to- makes you totally lose faith in the in the governmental structure that you are voting into office, right? So Putin wants to be able to remove Navalny, Alexei Navalny, as a political op- opposition leader to be able to cement his power as much as he possibly can. Corruption breeds corruption. The best way to weed out corruption is to say that other people are corrupt and to then obviously have them killed if you can. Happens in China all the time. Happens in Russia all the time. And my goal on this podcast, if I can, is to work hard to have free speech as being a centerpiece of this podcast and allowing for a plethora of ideas because that is of the utmost importance. The interesting thing is the left and the right are both pretty much in agreement on this one. So every Everyone is seeing this as a step in the right direction and as to how to deal with Russia. Trump was pretty soft on Russia in a lot of ways. Uh, and the last thing that you, the United States and the Europe need is for both Russia and especially China together to both be running rampant throughout the world, getting away with absolutely horrendous human rights abuses. We have to be able to take a stand for it here in the United States. And it looks like the Biden administration took a step towards doing that uh, this within the past couple of days. So all, I think good news. So with all of that having been said, that is the end of our second story of the day. Let's go ahead and hop on into our third story and our last story, story number three. So for our third story, Andrew Cuomo is accused by a third woman of sexual harassment. Um, Andrew Cuomo, the fallen angel of the Democratic Party, has now been accused again. And this time there are pictures of the encounter to prove that something dubious, nefarious, and honestly pretty disgusting went down. So apparently the woman was at a wedding that Andrew Cuomo was at. When he approached her and he put his hand on her lower back, she then removed his hand. He then proceeded to ask her to kiss him. She turned him down. Uh, so he you know, takes his hands, puts them on either side of her face, and proceeds to try and kiss her. The picture that is out there right now is of him standing there holding her face in his hands, and he is obviously making her incredibly uncomfortable. I mean, her face is clearly embarrassed. She does not want to be in the situation at all. She is super uncomfortable and it is clear that Andrew Cuomo was making very very unwanted advances regardless of whether or not he tried to kiss her don't walk up to women and just grab their face what it's obvious like come on so this is now like I said the third woman that has come out and said that they were harassed by Andrew Cuomo another woman who was a former Cuomo aide, came out and said that she stood with the latest woman to make the accusations, and she alleged that the governor inquired about her sex life and asked if she would be amendable to a relationship with an older man. And then another former aide from Cuomo said he, quote, made inappropriate comments about her appearance, kissed her without her consent at the end of a meeting, and once suggested that they play strip poker while aboard his state-owned jet. All of this is, per- is reported by the Associated Press. So, um, at this point, the accusations are starting to pile up and, uh, you know, obviously it's not looking good for Andrew Cuomo. A lot of them are very similar to one another. So it looks like Andrew Cuomo tends to just be a serial sexual harasser. Unfortunately, that is way more prevalent within, uh, a lot of the power and governmental structures we see here in the United States. Um, and I, I will say that a couple of things are disappointing here, okay? It's not just, obviously, the fact that, you know, women were harassed and Andrew Cuomo's a big old piece of do. Um, it's a couple of things. So first is the lack of consistency from the left on coverage and calling for his resignation, okay? I've been very disappointed in how long it has taken the Democrats and a lot of people on the left 
to really call out how not good this situation is, okay? There are a few people that are finally coming out against him, but it has been very, very slow, okay? This stuff has been being reported for the past couple of weeks. Not a whole lot has really been said about it. Like, there haven't been a lot of Democrats that have come out and called for his resignation outside of a few Democrats. Uh, The media coverage has been lackluster, to say the least. Like, there's not a whole lot of news headlines on it that aren't right-leaning news sites, which I will get to in a second. And many of the people that were jumping up and down and calling for people on the right to be barred from office for sexual harassment are remaining completely silent on the issue. If we remember back to 2018, Kamala Harris was in the Senate and one of the lead questioners during Brett Kavanaugh's hearings to become the next Supreme Court justice. Okay, and Kamala Harris absolutely raked Brett Kavanaugh over the coals for accusations that had far less credence than the accusations that are being leveled against Andrew Cuomo right now. Far less, okay? We're talking about the difference between this happened a year or two ago. There are multiple women that I know that have all had similar experiences. I have a picture of what happened as opposed to this maybe could have happened 30 years ago when we were in high school at a party, right? haven't heard Kamala Harris say one word about it. I haven't heard the vast majority of Democrats come out and condemn the behavior that he's had. And honestly, that's really disappointing to me because it, it shows that the Democrats are only okay with calling out negative, calling out that type of behavior. if it's on the other side of the aisle. So the second is the fact that the only reporting that the right has done has not really been in support of the women, but instead has just been aimed at attacking Andrew Cuomo. The right is absolutely reveling in the fact that one of the top Democrats that has been getting a ton of publicity over the past year or so, especially due to the coronavirus pandemic, is under a ton of uh, ton of attacks from women about being accused of sexual harassment. There are there are not a lot of voices on the right right now that are super concerned with how the women are doing or what needs to change in order to keep things like this from happening in the future or standing with them for coming out and telling their stories because it is not an easy thing to do. They're pretty much just stoked that a Democrat that is high up in the ranks is getting crapped on by the vast majority of the country right now because he happens to not be a Republican, Okay. That's that's sickening, too. You shouldn't just be happy when someone on the other side is accused of sexual harassment. Honestly, you should never be happy when someone is accused of sexual harassment because sexual harassment is horrible. Right. I think we can all come together and be like, you know what? I would really love it if I never heard about any something something like this happening again because it just wasn't happening anymore. Right. Unfortunately, the reality that we live in right now is that there are women that are sitting underneath and are working for men that think that they can act with absolute impunity, that they can say whatever it is that they want to do, that they can touch women in the ways that they want to touch them, that they can kiss women in the ways that they want to, and they can act inappropriately and they can get away with it. And it's terrible. It really is. And I am really yearning for the day when both sides of the aisle can be like, Okay, I want to hear out the evidence, right? As, as long as evidence is presented, let's obviously bring women in, have them communicate with authorities if they need to communicate with authority authorities. If they have evidence, if we are able to talk through with these women and they are able to prove that they have been sexually harassed by a person, it shouldn't be a question. Like, okay, doesn't matter what side of the aisle they're on, gone, right? And I, I know this is a... 
oftentimes can be a very gray area issue. Oftentimes it's not cut and dry. Sometimes there's a lack of evidence. There's a huge problem with women not feeling comfortable with being able to come out and speak out against people like this. But once we get to a place where women feel like they are empowered to be able to come out and they're not going to get absolutely crapped on by one side of the aisle, depending on whether or not the person is a Republican or a Democrat, hopefully it will lead to men being like, maybe it's not a good idea for me to sexually harass young women. We can only hope. So with all of that, that is the end of our third story of the day. Let's go ahead and hop on in to our last segment. It's called, bro, what? So this is actually somewhat related to a story that I talked about a little bit ago on a podcast last week, and it was talking a bit about the increase in substance abuse during the pandemic. Well, I had that story come out, and then I had a buddy of mine who was like, hey, man, so listen to this. I did a little bit of research because I thought it was pretty interesting that you were talking about how alcohol sales increased significantly during the pandemic. Apparently... Uh, his mother-in-law drinks a whole lot of Fresca, right? She loves Fresca. It's her fave. When the, pen, when the beginning of the pandemic hit, she went out to go get some Fresca and she couldn't find it anywhere. And she didn't understand why. Couldn't She just couldn't find it. Wasn't on any store shelves. So my buddy does a little bit of research into it. And apparently Coca-Cola, the company, decided that they were going to discontinue sending out and producing some of their less popular, I guess, by sales, uh, drinks that they normally produce because they didn't have any aluminum. There was a big aluminum shortage at the beginning of the pandemic. The reason why there was an aluminum shortage was because beer manufacturers were producing so much beer because the demand for beer had gone through the roof at the beginning of the pandemic that they actually caused a shortage within the supply chain. Unbelievable. I was, I literally was like, bro, what? That is crazy. People were drinking so much beer that they literally broke the aluminum supply chain at the beginning of the pandemic pretty wild stuff. I thought that story was pretty interesting. It's not something stupid and political, but I thought it was a really cool story. So with all that, that's the end of our show today. Thank you so much for dropping in, for stopping by and for checking us out. As always, y'all remember to find me on Instagram at split the difference podcast. I'm on Facebook and YouTube at split the difference. And of course my website at split the difference.com. Remember with one T go and drop me likes and subscribes and thumbs up because all of those things go a really, really long way and helping me to understand what content that y'all like. And of course, getting my name out there and getting in the ears of more people that may uh, like to hear me or haven't heard of me before. So as always, y'all remember, we're going to do our best to be level-headed. We're always going to be reasonable. And of course, we're going to split the difference. This is Austin Taylor.